0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon, Illinois. This is the sermon for May 5th, 2019, the third Sunday of Easter. It is entitled Second Chances. It is based on Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. It was preached by Pastor Carl Grace And God's peace
1: yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes primarily from the book of Acts but also from the Gospel of John. Let us pray. Gracious God, you come into our lives again and again. You free us, you cleanse us, you renew us. You send us out into the world. Bless us as we look to your word and as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker, and our Redeemer. Amen. In his book, uh, Worry Less and Live More, Robert Morgan shares uh, beneficial effects that habits have on our lives. Then he writes, the word practice implies you must go to work developing certain skills until they become habitual or proficient, like an athlete or musician. These are the Bible's perpetual habits for a gradual and glorious experience with the God of peace. In the book, Breaking Better Than Before, what I learned about making and breaking bad habits, Gretchen Rubin calls habits the invisible architecture of daily life, repeating about 40% of our behavior almost daily, so our habits shape our existence and our future. She goes on to explain that the habits reduce the need for self-control. She says, with habits, we conserve our self-control because we're in the habit of putting a dirty coffee cup in the dishwasher. We don't need self-control to perform that. We just do it without thinking. So our habits are a destiny. And changing our habits allow us to alter that destiny. Well, throughout this school year, we've been looking at the characteristics or the habits of the disciple of Jesus, the believer. All this relates to our mission as a church and also as individual Christians. And these are the habits that we've been talking about, that we've been challenging our confirmation students uh, to take up as young men and women of faith. At our next service today, 13 young men and women are stepping into a much larger world as they stand before God's altar and confess their faith in Jesus Christ. Hopefully, some faith habits have been developed in these two years. They have been baptized, uh, studying God's word for two years in the catechism. They'll be confirmed and they'll receive the Lord's Supper for the first time. In every respect, they're going to be a member of the congregation. But uh, as I've said often uh, on this kind of a Sunday, it's unfortunately not unusual to our church alone, but still disturbing that about a half or more of those students... Are hardly found here in the Lord's house a year from their confirmation date. Very sad indeed, but as I often do, I'm going to challenge them as students to break that pattern. I'm going to challenge parents (laughs) to break that pattern. And I want to urge you as a church to help them break that pattern too. Because uh, as we uh, as we think about our Confirmation Day, uh, this, this Confirmation Day, we can also think of uh, ours as well. Uh, there will be a lot of people here at uh, uh, the next service, parents and grandparents and godparents and friends. But last night and today, there's a worship service too, and no one's getting confirmed in this service. So what about everyone else? What is there for you in this message well, I've, I've said a lot that confirmation is something very continual, isn't it? That, it? that includes all of us today. And so as, uh, as I, during this message, I want you to be thinking about maybe just going back to your own confirmation day and think how you, well you've done since then. Because as we continue in our worship, as we continue in the study of God's word, we're growing in our faith, we're growing in the understanding of just what it is that happened since God has touched us in the waters of holy baptism. And so I want you to think about where you are in your relationship with God. Mary Kay Beard uh, was a shotgun-toting bank robber. <laughs> Flaming red hair, she was arrested and faced 180 years in prison if convicted of all the charges against her. But God had other plans for Mary Kay, plans that would ultimately affect millions. She awaited sentencing. She While she did that, she... She started going to the uh, church services in the jail, not really because she was interested in God, but because it was the only way to get out of solitary confinement, all right? And so she sat there, and she was struck by the volunteers that came to those early morning services, and she wondered why would any sane person get up at 5 o'clock in the morning on a weekend just to visit the prisoner's? And finally, curiosity got the better of her, and she finally asked an elderly volunteer sitting next to her and said, Why in the world do you bother? And the answer blew her away. This woman replied, she said, Jesus loved you enough to go all the way to Calvary, so we love you enough to come in here and tell you about him. And so over the next few weeks, uh, the Holy Spirit really began to work in Mary Kay's heart. and, And alone in her cell one night, she opened up her Bible and a verse from Ezekiel chapter 36 caught her eye. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. And God did change her heart. She began to study God's Word. She began to grow in that relationship with Jesus. Amazingly, she received a sentence of just eight years. After she left prison, she was haunted by the images of the women she left behind, remembering that how at Christmas these women would, would save all the things that the volunteers brought them, whether it was soap or shampoo or toothpaste. And she said they would give them to their kids at Christmas time. And those kids uh, uh, came to visit, cherished those small gifts from their moms. And so she went back to the jail that she once occupied and asked the women for the names and addresses of all their children. And she wrote them on little paper angels and hung them on a Christmas tree and she prayed and prayed that she would find enough volunteers to buy gifts for all of them. And amazingly enough, every child's name was gone in just a few days. On Christmas Day 1982, 556 556 children received Christmas gifts on behalf of their moms in jail. That program expanded long after Christmas trees had been taken down. The volunteers now help kids get school supplies and provide mentoring, even taking them camping. And since its debut in 1982, Prison Fellowship's Angel Tree Ministry has touched the lives of thousands and thousands of, of children around the world that have benefited from this change that took place in one life, Mary Kay Beard. God had given her a second chance. In the book of Acts, we meet a man named Saul. We meet him in the early chapters of Acts, where Luke calls him a young man who watched over the garments of those who were stoning Stephen to death. In chapter 8, we're told Saul approved of his murder. Very quickly, Saul moves from being a a willing bystander to an active participant, uh, active persecutor of Christians. We're told Saul tried to destroy the church going from house to house after uh, dragging out the believers, both men and women, and threw them into jail. He was busy. He was resourceful. He was dangerous, enemy number one for the church. By the time we meet him again here in our text, he is appointed head of, of a, the Stop the Jesus Movement, if you will, and he has official letters from the authorities from the temple giving him approval for that program of persecution. Now he's on his way to Damascus to stop out this Christian thing once and for all. No doubt in his mind whatsoever about the will of God and what he ought to do with his life. He's sure that God wants him to investigate, arrest, judge, and sentence these followers of the way of the Lord. And as he's traveling, he hears his name, Saul, Saul. A bright light flashes around him. He falls to the ground. He doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know who's calling him. And in an instant, this once self-confident, intelligent, believing, resourceful man is rendered helpless. As he opens his eyes, can't see. He has to be led around by the hand. One moment he's going here and there with his letters of introduction from the bigwigs in the temple, and next he's being led around like a little child, frail, helpless, needing help. And then he is soon healed and instructed by the very ones that he once thought he was above, and ones whom he was determined to exterminate. Saul got up that morning, he never would have thought such a dramatic change would have happened in his life. Even his name changed from Saul to Paul. He changed from enemy number one of the church to number one leader of the church. Now, Paul hadn't been looking for it, but God brought brought a a, a complete about-face with Saul. And he would never be the same again. So that God could use Saul as a missionary who would carry his word throughout the world Saul had to be changed, changed from a violent and proud man to a little child. And Jesus even said, I assure you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, this whole idea of second ch- chances and being changed is not new. I mean, I, I read a story about a, a very self- and energetic, self-made, uh, successful lawyer who found himself falling off that esteemed path into the depths of alcoholism. He was told if he didn't change that lifestyle, not only his career, but also his health, and even his marriage and family would be at risk. And so with the support of his wife and Alcoholics Anonymous, if life, his life was turned around, and, and during his recovery he began to rediscover the church. And, and he would often tell people, he said, you'd be amazed about what I'm learning about God lately. Like a blinding light, I've rediscovered those sayings in the Bible. Sayings like being born again, or you can only find your life by losing it, or becoming like a little child if you want to enter the kingdom of God. All those stories about mustard seeds and lost coins, sheep and little children, or taking up your cross and follow me. He said, through my pain, by hitting the bottom, by going about as low as one can get, I've met God, or rather, God found me. He rescued me and gave me a second chance. My friends, God is not only a God of a second chance, but also third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances too. Like the prodigal son who left his father's home to with his share of the inheritance. He sat in that pigsty helpless in the face of the famine. He was dependent on the generosity of the pigs to share their food. All that former pride, all that confidence, all that arrogance was knocked out of him and he became like a little child. All he could see was his prideful and arrogance and how that, how that had been. And he returned to his father's place small, humble, dependent, and repentant. The father could have cast him aside. Completely disowned him, but when he sees his son coming up the road, what does he do? He gives him that, that warm fatherly hug. He invites this little child of a man a second chance to be his son. You see, the good news of the gospel is that even though we hit rock bottom in our relationship with God because we're sinners, Jesus' death and resurrection gives us another chance to be his children and to live as his children who've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Daily we sin, and daily God forgives us, for Jesus' sake, and gives us another chance. We may even regard someone or even ourselves as beyond all hope, but God finds us, God rescues us, and God gives us another chance. I'm sure that lawyer slipped up a lot of times in his effort to beat addiction, but God has this everlasting supply of second chances. In our daily struggle with sin, we we fail and we fall miserably as we seek to do God's will, as we seek to follow His Word, live as His children. But, But praise God that the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ goes on and on and on. And in His love and mercy, He gives us so many second chances. Think of Jonah. Jonah swallowed up by that great fish, trying to run away from God. And inside the belly of that fish, the bottom of the sea he got about as low as anyone could get but god gave him a second chance to speak his word to the people of Nineveh he even gave Jonah uh, another chance because Sona was so uh, so disappointed because God actually followed through and changed his mind about destroying Nineveh what about the woman who was about to be stoned for committing adultery Facing the, the reality of her sinful life. Facing her impending death about as low as you could go. And Jesus rescues her from the angry mob. Forgives her and gives her a second chance uh, to, to live better a better life. And He says these words, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. So that's the message of the Bible, isn't it? Our God is a God of second chances. You know, there's story after story that tells of God's generous gift of a second chance. Even the thief dying on the cross next to Jesus is given another chance. Jesus says, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." He's giving this sinner a second chance, not in not in this life, but in eternity. And that's where it gets even more amazing. What I desperately want for those 13 a young men and women, uh, and when they confirm their faith, what I want them to take to take that to heart. But you and I need to hear this too. God has given you and me a second chance. Because for some strange, wonderful, surprising reason, He loves you, He wants you to serve Him. He wants you to tell and show all the world that He is alive, that He is determined to have all people saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Every second chance that Jesus gives us is a call to do some kind of work for Him. In the Gospel, we heard about the occasion when the resurrected Jesus uh, caught up with the disciples on the beach. Had a barbecue breakfast ready for them. They came in from fishing. Peter was there. We need to remember, Peter, how far he had sunk into the depths of despair when he realized that he had denied knowing Jesus. And Jesus gives him a second chance. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus is telling Peter that in his love for him, he is to care for those whom Jesus loves. Then Jesus says, follow me. Both Paul and Peter are found by Jesus. Both Paul and Peter are given second chances. Both Paul and Peter are then called then to do God's work. Their past failures did not stop Jesus from entrusting them with his most important work. Mary Kay Beard, that gun uh, shotgun toting bank robber, was given a second chance as well as some important work, to bring joy into the lives of those children whose mothers were in prison. So, the next time that you're hard on yourself because you failed in some way, or you're down on someone because maybe they failed you or hurt you, I want you to remember how God has given you second chance after second chance after second chance after second chance and be thankful. Be thankful that God is so loving and generous. Be thankful that God offers you a new start through His Word and His sacraments. Perhaps we can think of our lives and, and just like uh, Mary Kay Beard, that, that, that lawyer, that, that prodigal son, Jonah and Paul and Peter, we can ask ourselves, what then is the risen Christ asking us to do? Well, the answer to that question is just as appropriate for the person who's in assisted living or in a nursing home. Or the first person facing retirement, for the person getting started on their career, for the person starting college, for the high schooler facing graduation, for the child in school, for the person at the bottom of a tremendous struggle, and for those confirmation students. You know the last word that Jesus said to his disciples, to the disciples on the beach that day was, "Follow me." Well, that is his call to all of us today as well. Let's hear that call. Let's follow him. Let's serve him. Let's proclaim his good news of forgiveness, mercy, and second chances each and every day. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnet, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.